Support for WSIU's In the Author's Voice is provided in part by listeners like you. To make your donation, log on to WSIU.org or call 800-745-9748. Thank you. Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. Acclaimed novelist Laura Benedict is a Southern Illinois-based writer. Her latest novel, Bliss House, was just released. She is a self-described author of Dark Suspense. I recently talked with Laura about Bliss House and how she got started writing scary novels. No, I really didn't uh, plan on doing it. I came to writing, well, one, I'm a big reader. I've always been a huge reader, and I loved Stephen King and Dean Koontz and gothic novels when I was a kid. That's what all I wanted to read. And I actually came to writing, actually writing from copywriting when I worked for uh, that great big beer company in St. Louis. And I just fell in love with writing. And so I started taking night classes. And I found myself gravitating toward darker material. And it's one of my beliefs that the material discovers the writer. You don't know what you're going to write, but this material found me. When was it, when did you first? How long? How long has it been since the first since the first novel? Maybe I should say the first attempt at a novel or oh. the first published. <laughs> Gosh, first published I, or maybe the one in the same. I was an overnight success after twenty something years. Okay, so it was a short time. <laughs> a short time. I wrote uh, two practice novels. And, you know, Somerset Mom, who was an early 20th century fabulous commercial writer, I, w- I would say, he his advice is was, write a novel, put it in a drawer, nobody should ever see it. And then write your first novel. But it took me two practice novels. And I had my uh, first novel, I had short stories published mm-hmm. before that, but I had my first novel published in 2007. So is that Devil's... De- De- that was Isabella Moon. Oh, Isabella Moon. Mm-hmm. And that was followed by Calling Mr. Lonely Hearts. And they were both pretty much horror novels. Is there something uh, liberating about writing in that particular genre that allows you to incorporate the supernatural or maybe other other bound worldly bounds that maybe restrict or are a little less free for for more traditional oh. plots oh absolutely um because i can make up anything i want <laughs> and that is that is very freeing because you know there are certain tropes in certain genres i mean the the book that's out now bliss house is a haunted house book so there are certain things that people expect um and i would call them tropes rather than cliches i mean you want usually a big house you want a house with a dark history you know something like that um so there are certain expectations when you work with the supernatural and I like to meet those expectations, but I also like to blow them up. Because if you can't be original, there are plenty of books out there already mm-hmm. to read. I, you know, I want to offer something new. Now you, you mentioned Bliss House. That's the latest, and that's the one that's out. I'll admit it, 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 it kind of kept me up um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> at night. <laughs> uh, I found I wouldn't read it at night. Uh, but it's about, it's it's a story of a, of, a, of a mother and a daughter and and. <laughs> and a kind of a strange family history. <laughs> yes, a definitely a strange family history. 
Um, but again, it's, you know, uh, it's the main character of Bliss House is the house. The house. And (laughs) absolutely. And uh, Rainy and Ariel, Rainy Bliss Adams and her daughter Ariel have moved to Virginia from St. Louis. And Rainy is looking for a new start. Um, Back in St. Louis, her husband was killed in an accident when their house blew up. And the daughter Ariel was badly disfigured. 14 years old. uh, You know, that's a tender age. (laughs) And so they come to Bliss House really looking for healing. And maybe there's a little healing involved. (laughs) But the house itself has a history, has a very murderous history. And it's funny you should say that about the history because I have about four books in me for Bliss House uh, going back in time. Can we expect more in in terms of the, or is it all in the, all in Bliss House? Well, I have to say I did not tell all of Bliss House's secrets in the first book. I want to, uh, you know, I wanted to get people to have an appetite for Bliss House, and I, I, I'm very excited about it. This next book I'm writing is set in the 1950s. So whereas you would see a lot of books, you know, sequels to books, I really feel like. Bliss House and the house's history is sort of a stream that I can dip into and pull those stories up. And I just love that concept. A little bit about, since you mentioned the house, and we don't want to give everything away, but um, as you mentioned, the house has (laughs) a rather murderous past for the people that unfortunately live or pass through the house. Yes, it's true. Now, you don't want me to tell all its secrets, uh, but the people, the, it, it ended up being an inn for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, the Brodskys, a couple named uh, the Brodskys, own the inn, and, and one of them got murdered. I don't tell the whole story there because there might be another book. You just never know. Uh, but I do, there is a, I start Bliss House opening it up. A generation ago with a young woman who is being held prisoner in the house and it's kind of a you know it's sort of a rough beginning it is it's it's scary I mean this does have horror elements in it and her story is integral to Rainy's story and Ariel's story so um, yes there there are many things there's very much a connection between the house and the people and the family there have you experienced that you know, they're how reality based. How reality based? That's a, that's an excellent question. Um, I I have Rainy say something pretty early on in the book that the people who live in a house kind of impart their personalities to it, and I I really have felt that. I have never lived anywhere that I felt encumbered by other people's past though there you know there are houses you go into and you just get a really creepy vibe Mm -hmm. totally totally creepy vibe and in fact i am uh, i'm addicted to trash television shows about people who have had lived in and you know experienced living in Mm -hmm. in haunted houses and i don't think i could do it i really don't (laughs) I know. I just was looking. There, there are a number of places in the Carbondale area that are on the list of, of Illinois' most haunted. So I didn't know if maybe you had <laughs> passed through one of those. Oh. <laughs> I, I seriously, I am the most scaredy cat horror writer you will ever meet. 
I love to scare people, but uh, being scared in real life is is not my thing. I can I can handle a graveyard at midnight and a little uh, EVP maybe, but that's about my limit. I, that's a terrible confession. I know. Do you have a reading or, or a particular uh, passage that uh, that really uh, kind of sets the sets the story? Well. I have, it's kind of scary, so um, get ready, okay? This is Ariel, and Ariel is the person who witnesses what may be a murder in Bliss House. The shimmer around the girl didn't reach very far into the darkness, but Ariel could hear men's voices coming from somewhere upstairs. She could tell by the attitude of the girl's body that those voices were making her afraid. If they're real, if they're not a dream... The girl leaned back against the railing, a sleeve of her robe. Yes, it's a robe, the robe, hanging over it like a curtain. Ariel could hardly process what she was seeing. It was happening fast, but she couldn't look away. In a blink, the girl had climbed up to sit on top of the railing. The house was so quiet that Ariel could hear the ticking of the clock down in the hall. Her heart pounded. She thought of those seconds just before her father died, the leaden hush that had surrounded them, like the universe holding its breath. Slowly, so slowly, the girl leaned back into the air. The robe floated like a rain-laden cloud around the girl, and moonlight glanced off of it like tiny flashes of lightning. Her arms were a perfect V, her mouth and eyes open wide, knowing, accepting. She might have been crying out, but the only sound Ariel could hear now was the blood pounding in her own ears. Before she could look away, she saw something else, someone, a man, she thought, standing at the railing where the girl had gone over. For listeners that, 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 that may have heard uh, your essay as part of Southern Illinois Wonders, and you talked about your paranoia. Yes. It, <laughs> what is the motivation for some of these storylines? Do you draw on, on that? Is it? That's a really good question. You know, they say there's this thing about childbirth. That when you go through childbirth, when you're done with it, you don't really remember a lot of it <laughs> because it's a very painful process. And, you know, I look at my work and I look back and I think, where did that come from? And, uh, you know, this story came from so many places um, and the uh, very distant origins of it are in a film called The Enchanted Cottage that was a play many years ago and it was a film in the 40s with uh, Robert Young. Mm -hmm. And it's about two people who Hollywood made look homely because Robert Young's certainly not homely. <laughs> and they are physically, um, he, he has um, issues from the war and the girl is just homely and they fall in love, and they sort of end up with one another, say, oh, nobody else would have me. And they go and they live in this cottage. And this the film is love transforming them. So they see each other as sort of these beautiful, perfect beings. And only the viewer and they see themselves that way. But everyone else around them sees them as they were. But love has really transformed them. And so... No, my twisted mind <laughs> took that and uh, took this really beautiful, lovely story and said, well, what if a house could appear to heal someone? And that was really 
you know, so you never know where a story is going to come from. You mentioned earlier some authors that that were have been kind of influenced that you liked that you enjoyed enjoyed reading. Where else do you draw? Is there inspiration from in terms of of writing? You know, my mind. Do they come to you in the middle of the night and you just start <laughs> jotting down on the notepad? And I do sometimes, and and I keep a dream journal. And I have never had a dream that translated directly into a story. I love to dream. And the best dreaming happens, and I did some reading on lucid dreaming, because I, I found this actually is true for me, is if I wake up quite early and I'm up for a while and do some things and then go back to bed, which is, I have to say, life of a writer can be pretty nice sometimes. <laughs> And, uh, you know, have really wonderful, powerful, strange dreams. And, you know, so while I may not get direct ideas from that, you get, you get feelings from that, you know. I'm a, I'm a big film fan. I, I used to be terrified of horror films. Um, but I, I watch them now, and they kind of feed that... You know, I learn about the pacing, and, and that's another thing. I, I don't read a whole lot in the genre anymore. I'm a big mystery reader. And so my books now, whereas before they were kind of more horror thriller, I really like a mystery. I like a good story in a mystery. Um, and so that's very exciting to me. You know, Anything can be an inspiration. Uh, you were talking about my paranoia. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I see crime. I see trouble everywhere. And uh, we live near the woods, and that's always scary. <laughs> we, uh, as you know, we're in a university community, and, and uh, uh, a number of, of students will, will probably hear this. So for, and not, they've done, not just only for students, but for uh, others that, that, that are... Uh, looking at or attempting or trying to to write what what kind of advice do you give to to writers that are starting or attempting to start or in the middle of of trying to to write well my first advice is do it <laughs> because there are so many people who would love who say they would love to write and but you know and, and I would say to encourage anyone who wants to write or continues to try to write is every writer, no matter how successful, and I know some very, very successful writers, they sit down in front of that blank page or blank computer screen and they feel that same terror that every emerging or beginning writer feels. And what you have to remember is what you write that day, nobody has to see it if you don't want somebody to see it. But to take the risk, take the leap, and put yourself on the page. Put what entertains you on the page. Because if you're not entertained by what you write, your reader's not going to be. And I would say don't worry about appearing literary or what somebody else thinks of, you know, as good writing. You know, most writers read. That, that's the other thing. Um, and I don't know who said it. I always quote it, but I don't know who said it. A writer, particularly a beginning writer, needs to read three times as much as they're writing. Because there is so much you can learn from good writing. And read good writing. That's important, too. 
Laura Benedict, thank you so much. Uh, Bliss House is out, available all the usual places? All the usual places, uh, bookstores and online, absolutely. And it's it's available in audio and ebook formats and uh, basic hardcover. And I have to say, it's got a gorgeous cover. It does have <laughs> a very pretty cover. It sure I, does. Everybody, everybody's like, oh, I love that cover. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty special thing. But thank you so much for having me here today. I really appreciate it. That's author Laura Benedict. Her latest novel, Bliss House, is now in bookstores. In the Author's Voice is a listener-supported service of WSIU Public Radio and Southern Illinois University, Carbondale.